I'm going to give you a little taste of how that works in God's perspective. Grab a seat, guys. This uh, lovely couple, newlywed couple, is uh, Reese and Jess McLaughlin. And uh, they got married 1st of August, 2015. So you're newlyweds for the first 12 months. So they're still newlyweds. And uh, I had the uh, great privilege of conducting their ceremony over in Queensland and uh, fantastic. So in the lead up uh, to, the, to the ceremony, we do a little bit of prep, okay? Um, and the prep isn't just for the wedding. We try to do some prep for the marriage because long after the wedding's done, the hard work begins. It's called marriage. It's a four letter word, spelt W-O-R-K. And uh, so we're talking about that. And um, we're at Grilled in uh, East Vic Park having lunch and finish uh, talking around stuff. And Jess pulls a Steve Jobs on me and says, uh, before we finish, Mark, one more thing. I'm like, okay, great, what do you got? And she asked me. So I pretty much know the answer here, um, but <laughs> we, should we first pay off our debt before we start giving? Because mm. on paper that makes sense to try and pay out so we can give more. Yeah. And what do I say? God can't do anything with it if you don't give him anything yeah. to work with. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, and I framed it. Uh, I'm actually not typically in the habit of telling people how to live their lives. I, I leave that to, to, to Jesus. And it uh, doesn't mean that I don't give people some advice if they ask for it. And uh, here's a good leadership tip. When someone asks you for some advice, uh, lead with the words, this is what we do and recommend. And so Louis and I had just finished climbing out of debt ourselves. So it was a timely question. And uh, I was able to say to, to, to Reese and Jess, here's what we do and, and recommend. And that was my recommendation. Now, we're sitting at lunch. Uh, you had some debt. How much? It was over, it was over 40K. Okay. Yeah. That's 1,000 if you yeah. don't know. It's a lot if you also don't know. Yeah. And uh, give us the backstory. You didn't wake up one morning and have $40,000 in debt. What, what was the run-up? Uh, that would have been a pretty crazy night. No. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Vegas, baby. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Um, Jess and I had both traveled to the US. Um, we'd moved into different places. We had to buy essentials like fridge, bed, all the things you actually need. And we had a couple of personal loans. We played the credit card game for a little while. Um, don't play that game anymore, but we played it for a bit. And it had just all accumulated. So eventually we just took it all, rolled it all into one, mm. and one, one consolidated personal loan. Mm. Great, yeah. great. So you're, you're making progress. Uh, and um, as I understand it, some of your perspectives were being framed by what we were teaching here from the Bible, God's Word, not Mark's Word. So that's good, much better than Mark's Word. Uh, so I said, here's what we, we use and recommend. I, and my words were along the lines of, uh, God actually says, test me in this. He actually says, if you give to Him, He'll get involved in your financial world. And, and He said, if you don't believe me, test me. Now, elsewhere in the Bible, He says, don't ever test me. But there's one time He says, in this you can test me. It's like, I make the rules, so I can also make the exceptions. But there's only one. You can test me in this. Give, put me first, and, and see if I don't open up the floodgates of heaven and open up more blessing than you can handle. It's like, sounds pretty good. So that was my, what we use and recommend. What did you do with that? Um, my little backstory, it's just short backstory. I've been with the church since about 14 and I've never tithed. I've never believed in tithing. I've found a hundred reasons why not to tithe. I even Googled, why should I not tithe as a Christian? <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be blatantly honest with you. But um, I just... That struck with me, and Mark said, it's the only place in the Bible where God says, test me on this. Mm -hmm. I thought, all right, what's, what's the worst that could happen? And Jess has a bit of a backstory about her parents and tithing. So do you want to... So we were actually at loggerheads at this as a couple because I had grown up in a family who struggled for money. We were, we were very middle, lower lower class and um, my mother did the best to tithe of what she had. It might not have even been the tithe, the tenth, but she gave what she did and, and my father, not really being a believer that God exists but believes in the powers that be or whatever he decides to believe in. 
thought um, that, and he's openly expressed to me that this was the reason we got through so many really financially hard times was because my mum made that effort to to tithe and to give what she could. It, I don't even know if it was the first or the best, but she made a, a faith point to, to give what she could to God. Mm. And if I can just throw something on there too. Um, when I tithed, I didn't do it with an expectation of financial reward. That's something I want to make really clear. Mm. Um, the phrase that keeps coming up is, honour God, honour God, give mm. him your first. And I thought, okay, I'll do that. Mm. I, I didn't expect money or riches or whatever. I just wanted to say, okay, well, honour him and test him. And I expected to get a spiritual warm fuzzy or whatever it was you get from it. Um, that was my expectation going into, going into giving, yeah. yeah. So you started doing that, which as Jess said, on paper, you know, this isn't what your uh, financial advisor would tell you as the debt uh, elimination strategy. Give money away first and then start paying down debt. But you did and uh, a miracle story popped up. You, you made it clear that wasn't your, your motivation, the vending machine God approach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, the, but a miracle story happened, so tell us about that. Yeah, um, we went over across for our wedding and um, we were speaking to a, a friend or family member who was asked to remain anonymous, not that anyone here would know them, but that aside. Um, and we told them we, we decided to start giving and they've, they're Christian and they're really happy that we were involved with the church. And they came to us with an offer and said, look, we want to pay your entire debt out for you and you can pay us back with no interest. And that just came absolutely out of the blue. And we didn't have to think too long or too hard about that. Uh, so we took it up, but to, to honour that as well, we, um, we, made a, we wrote a contract with them to pay it back and pay it back quicker than we would have paid the bank. So that was the first sort of big thing that happened very, what, how many weeks after? It was, it was during the time that we were away for our six weeks after the... No, it was, yeah, it was so quick, mm. um, probably less than three months. Mm. Timing was a little coincidental, and if you ever chat God with incidents. Jess, Jess does not believe in coincidence at all. I do, she doesn't. <laughs> and then we had the, at the wedding, um, since the wedding was on the East Coast, we had family coming from all over the East Coast. A lot of them travelled a really long way. We didn't ask for gifts, we didn't ask for money. Um, we threw a wishing well down, because someone always will put, will put something in it, and we ha- had an astounding amount of money come in, uh, considering that we had no point said we wanted any. And so we, we were pretty happy with that. And the very first thing we, thing we did was sent 10% back of it to the church, to God, because I firmly believe that that happened because we gave to him. So we thought, well, let's, we gave our first and now we've been gifted, so let's give it back to him because it's his. Great, fantastic. How about you give it up for Reese and Jess, hey? Great guys, love it, well done. Very cool. You know, uh, this Bible stuff, it actually works, but it's like sunscreen. It only works if you apply it. So I love that they were applying God's Word and R and uh, stuff happened. Now, I want you to jump in the Wayback Machine with me. We're going to go back 15 years, okay? 15 years ago, let's say it was your birthday and uh, your friends had given me the responsibility of buying you three birthday presents. And your friends had given me a big, big stash of cash to buy you the three presents. So, you know, I'm gonna do the right thing. I wanna make sure you get three great gifts and obviously wanna use your friend's money wisely. So I buy the three gifts and I come to your house and I knock on the door, I say, hey, got a birthday coming up. Your friends give me some money. I've bought you three gifts. They're unbelievable gifts, 15 unbelievable gifts. The first gift I bought you is I bought you a car, a brand new car. And you're thinking, oh yeah, it's cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's cool, all right. It's a Holden Chimera. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wheels Magazine, car of the year, 1982. A Holden Chimera. Life don't get much better than this, right? Now, I was talking with Pete during the week. I said, hey, Pete, he's on the road a lot with his job. You see many of these out on the road these days? He's like, I ain't see any of them out these days. I, okay. Wonder why that is. Well, I Googled on carsguide.com.au's buyer's guide to Holden Chimeras and they describe it this way. 
once a wheels car of the year, but prone to rusting and overheating. Chewed oil and should have been booked for underage smoking. All right, sorry about that. Happy birthday. Anyway, it's okay, it's okay, because I bought you three gifts. The second gift I bought you is I bought you shares in a tech company. This thing is blowing up. And you say, what, Google? And I go, who? No, never heard of them 15 years ago. No, no, I bought you shares in this. It's called MySpace. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. And, and not only that, three, I said three gifts. The third gift, I got you concert tickets. Concert and you say, you too? No, 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 not you too, mate. No, no. In fact, not only concert tickets, I organise backstage passes. Oh, the Stones? No, not the Stones, mate. Even better than that, I got you tickets to Vanilla Ice to the Extreme concert with backstage passes. Uh-huh. While we're in the Wayback Machine, let me just ask out of curiosity, does anybody remember the name of Vanilla Ice's one great and uh, only hit song? Anyone remember the name? Ice, Ice, Baby. Yeah, yeah, okay, 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 good, 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 good. Wayback Machine's doing well. Does anybody remember the opening four lines of Ice, Ice, Baby? And Ice, Ice, Baby doesn't count as a line, okay? Does anyone remember the opening four? Does anybody want to maybe take up the opportunity, it's the invitation of a lifetime, to come up here and uh, white boy rap them with me? Anyone, anyone got, got that? Oh. Pete Goodall had started chanting your name before you even put your hand up. Your reputation goes before you. All right, the lady with the white kicks, you showed enough yo, en yo, en check it, enthusiasm. Check it. You got Pete Goodall's vote to, all right. Dun, 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 uh, dun, 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 dun. Okay. <laughs> okay, some of you are going to want to get your okay, phones you out here. Plus, okay, plus, if you're not taking a photo with your smart devices, use your Google machine and Google the word outstaged because I'm <laughs> quite confident that's what's about to happen here. Uh, all right. So... Uh, all right, let's get in the mood. Cue the music. Ready? Uh, cue the music. Nice. And, and I want to do some moves. You've got to kind of get into the yeah, mood. Pump it, pump it do? louder. Come which on. And get it through the wedges, please. Ready? Here go. Now you can sing along this. Here we go. Ready? Baby. Okay, okay, I'll show you a move. This is on the video, yeah, Slip. Right. You know the running man? Yeah, oh, right, I right, right. do a better one. I'll do a better one. He does one. it with a pivot. Watch, watch, watch. What do you got? I don't know. Come on, white girl. And then, look. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. If I did that, that. I, I'd just fall over. All right, all right. First four lines. Okay. I'll sing the first and the third. Yeah. You sing the second and the fourth. Second and fourth. But you guys can join in. You only need to know two words to do the backing. The first word is listen. And the second word, it's technically invention, but you only stress invention. So it's the last three quarters of the word. Are you ready? Yeah. By the way, this is the entire backing track. I don't know if you ever noticed that you listen to the song. It does this for four minutes. No bridge, no chorus. Uh-uh. Pretty special, really. You're getting a headache yet. All right. Stop, hammer time. Oh, no, that's the other one. All right, all right. I'm white. What can I say? Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with a brand new invention. Something comes a hold of me tightly. Flow like a harpoon deli and lassie. Will it ever stop you? I don't know. <laughs> and I'm so. Stop the music! Who is better? No, no, we're not voting. No voting. No voting. We'll, let the, face, we'll let the Facebook people vote. <laughs> tag me, tag Louie. Let's see who gets the most likes. We could have kept going like that all morning. <laughs> but we're not going to. So what's the, what's the moral of the story? I could have bought you a Holden Chimera. I could have bought you shares in MySpace. I could have bought you Vanilla Ice to the Extreme tickets. 15 years ago, these things were on top of the desirable pile. 
But you and I know 15 years later, they're now on the top of the junk pile, okay? Because that's what happens with stuff. Stuff doesn't last. Stuff loses its luster. And, and if we put our faith in stuff, then as the sands of time move, the sands of time also shift out from under us. And last week, we opened this series teaching a message we called, Who's Number One? And asking the question, who's your priority? Where's your heart at? And, and, and if I could say, today is like part two of that message. So please encourage you, if you weren't here last week, listen to the podcast. But the big idea, and I wanna tee off straight away with this, is that satisfaction doesn't come from stuff. Satisfaction comes when we make Jesus first in everything. Now, I was tempted to title today's message, I Can't Get No Satisfaction, but there's apparently copyright issues around that. So I've just titled today's message, Satisfied with a Question Mark. And uh, I've been around this orbiting this planet for a few years now, and I have discovered that most people want to live a satisfying life. And most people uh, have, have issues when they find themselves living an unsatisfied life. But too often, the remedy that people are using is to put their faith in things, in stuff, and wonder why they can never achieve this satisfaction that they so long for. Now, I want you to open your Bible apps. And uh, last week, we, we, we started drilling into a story, and we're actually gonna stay with the same story for four weeks. And I opened them to First uh, Kings, the old part of the Bible. Click, click, click. You don't even have to know that on your app. You just have to point the button that says Kings. First Kings, chapter 18. Before I get to that, let me give you the backstory. So the backstory to, to where we're about to pick up is that the nation of Israel, who were God's chosen people, they'd been living in slavery, not good, in Egypt for around 400 years. But God, at a certain point in history, He delivered them, set them free from slavery. Amazing. The Pharaoh of Egypt, God turned up to him through Moses and said, let my people go. My people. The Pharaoh up to that point had thought they were his people because they were his slaves. So God got involved and, and somehow turned Pharaoh's mind around to actually let these guys go. Yep, go free. Who's gonna build the pyramids? Who's gonna build the sphinxes? No one knows. But he, but he said, yes, it didn't make any sense. But God did that and set this nation free after 400 years of slavery. He then took them on a journey, which was ultimately gonna arrive in a land He'd promised them, but, it, but they took 40 years. They took 40 years because they kept doing things their own way and not listening to God. Sound familiar? Thankfully though, even in their ignorance and, and self-reliance, God still provided for them and God still protected them for 40 years. Eventually, when they finally did things God's way, they, they, they were allowed to and entered this promised land. And this promised land was better than anything they could have even asked for or imagined. God did that. God set them free. God protected them, provided for them and delivered them, not just from, but into a promised land. You would think that the end process, the end result of this journey would be full devotion to this God that had set them free, that had protected them, provided for them and delivered them. But no, because people are stupid sometimes. And, and whilst they didn't turn their back on God, they just turned their face away from Him. It's a matter of degrees in this case. He went from their number one, he was still in their top 10, but he was no longer number one. They started looking for other gods. Oh, our God plus. See what a few other gods have got to offer. The, the gods were called the gods of the Baals. God didn't like that very much. God's a jealous God. He's jealous for you and He's jealous from you. He didn't want you to worship any other God. He didn't like being number two. He likes to be number one. So He staged an intervention. Sometimes God needs to stage an intervention to get our attention because we just like doing things our own way. And God goes, bow, bow. in this case, He sent a prophet, prophet, someone that speaks on behalf of God. The guy's name's Elijah. Appears out of nowhere, in terms of reading from the Bible. 
and sends him to the king. The king, is a, he was a very, 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 very bad man. Very bad man. Very, very bad man. Name was Ahab. Said, Elijah, go and speak to Ahab and tell him that I'm gonna turn the tap off. There's not gonna be any rain until I say so. And it was an agricultural economy. No rain, no bueno, no crop, no food, no money. So God did that. And the king wasn't very happy that, you know, and he blamed Elijah rather than blaming the fact that they turned away from God. Maybe that some of their own circumstances caused God's hand of blessing to be removed from them. Well, we don't like to admit that. Blame, blame someone else. It's easier. Put a bounty on Elijah's head because he blamed Elijah. You did this. No rain, you did this. Elijah had hidden out for about three years and God turned up to Elijah and said, okay, go back to Ahab. There's all the wandered posters on the lampposts all around town. Elijah's face is on the milk carton, to, all of that stuff. And, and God says, you know the king that's looking for you, the one that's put a ransom on your head? I want you to go back and speak to him. God don't only ask us to do stuff that's comfortable. He often asks us to do stuff that's uncomfortable. But the difference is you have to trust God is gonna make up the difference. The same God that protected and provided for the people is gonna protect and provide for Elijah in the face of the king, the king that could have had him killed with no questions asked and no repercussions. So let's pick up the story. First Kings chapter 18, verse 17. Click, click. The moment Ahab saw Elijah, he said, uh-huh. so it's you, old troublemaker, blaming Elijah for the fact there'd been no rain, not blaming the fact that they turned their face away from God. No, 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 no. Who wants to take responsibility? Prefer to live with the cl- classic case of blamatitis. It's not I who's caused your trouble in Israel, said Elijah. It's big faith. But you and your government, you've dumped God's ways and commands and run off after the local gods, the Baals. So here's what I want you to do. Assemble everyone in Israel at Mount Carmel and make sure that the special pets of Jezebel, Jezebel was Ahab's wife. She was even more evil than he uh, was. The 450 prophets of the local gods, the Baals, and the 400 prophets of the whore goddess Asherah are there. So (laughs) now we have a situation where it's, Elijah versus the prophets of the other gods, where it's one versus 850, where it's Elijah against the bros and the hoes. See what I did there? That's what it says. One verses 850, which on paper doesn't seem like Elijah's on the winning side. Sounds like a suicide mission, even more than he you know, came back to Ahab in the first place. Suicide mission. But here's the thing. Elijah knew something about his God and he knew something about the other gods. He knew that it wasn't one versus 850. It was his God versus their God. And he remembered that, that his God had led them out of slavery in Egypt. Seems like they'd forgotten that that His God had protected them and provided for them in the wilderness. Seemed like they'd forgotten that. And that His God had delivered them into this land flowing with milk and honey, better than anything they could have even asked for or imagined. Elijah remembered that they'd forgotten. And so he said, you know what? Let's put, if that wasn't a test enough of just how strong, how powerful, how great this one true God that I believe in, that you used to believe in, that you've now demoted from number one. If that wasn't enough, Let's give this a shot. Us, me and God versus you. So, Ahab summoned everyone in Israel, everyone in Israel, not just, not just the people Elijah had called for, particularly the prophets though, to Mount Carmel, but everyone. It's like getting the band back together, everyone. And here's the thing. The first people Elijah challenged in that setting wasn't the prophets. The first people Elijah challenged was the people, the Israelites, the one that God had led out of 
Egypt into the promised land. Interesting. Ultimately, not the ones that he was gonna go up against, yet he chose to speak to them first. And this is what he said. He challenged them. How long are you gonna sit on the fence? If God is the real God, follow Him. It's not complicated. And if it's Baal, follow Him. But my challenge is, either way, make up your minds. <laughs> and in typical fence-sitting fashion, because what fence-sitters do, they pretend they didn't hear you when you challenge them. Nobody said a word. Nobody made a move. I think he's talking to you. He was talking to the entire nation of Israel, God's chosen people. If God's number one, if God's a real God, make him number one. Number three don't work. But if he's not, then what you're doing is fine. <laughs> but was this not proof enough? Or do we have to go for another demonstration of our God, at least he was, my God still, versus this new God that you thought may be an upgrade? Well, we're gonna get to that next week. You can read ahead during the week. Smart kids get the extra homework, not as punishment, but as reward. Now, our primary goal, I said this last week, you know, the church just wants your money. It's satirical. I said that already. It's satirical. You know what? God don't want your money first and foremost. He wants our heart first and foremost. He wants to be number one first and foremost. Next week, I'm gonna rewrite some old traditional hymns with some uh, sort of 21st century lyrics. You gotta be here. I might even rap them. You never know your luck in a big city. I might even do a heavy metal, death metal version of it too, Reese. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, yeah. Jesus gave something, yeah. No. But I did say last week that, 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 that whilst the people of Israel back in the time of this story had chosen to turn their face away from God and the thing that now came between them and God was worship of the Baals, that doesn't roll today. But what rolls today, and Jesus called it out, is it's often money and possessions and stuff is the number one barrier to you and I giving God our everything, making Him number one. Now I could teach today five reasons why we should give, but I'm not gonna do that. What I'm gonna just finish the time together with this morning is from my observations of being a professional Christian for a couple of decades is some of my top, probably my top five observations of why people don't give kind of barriers to entry, if you like. And uh, I wanna put them on the table. And I've already road tested these with a few of my friends during the week. And I've got a few notes like, oh yeah, I know that one. So let me, let me put them out there. And, and for some of you, these might actually resonate. And, and if they do resonate, my prayer isn't to name and shame you. I'm not gonna say, who, who, who's not giving because of this reason? Come on, put your hands up, take a photo. It's actually to say maybe God was going to, is going to speak to you today that maybe that, that barrier He wants to actually take away so you can move one step closer to Him this morning. Here's one. Trust issues. Some people don't give because of trust issues. Now, Friday morning, I needed, uh, my, my bicycle needed a bit of TLC, so I rolled down to uh, Super Steve's Bike Shop, uh, Foothill Cycles, official bike supplier to Elevate Church, and uh, at 9 a.m., rolled in on my bike, actually literally rode into the store on my bike. He goes, yo, yo, Marky Mark. I was, he wasn't expecting me, but you know, maybe there was a glow, I don't know. Yo, yo, Marky Mark. I say, yo, yo, Super Steve, sup? He's like, hey man, wasn't expecting to see you here. I'm like, you know, we take pastoral care very seriously here at Elevate Church. I do, this is my day off, I do drop-ins, roll-ins. And uh, he goes, hey, you want a coffee? I'm like, uh, yeah. And uh, so he 
he pushes his cash register, pushes the button that goes bing, and, uh, and, and grabs 20. Now, he always has these minions hanging around, around his store. It's kind of, he's a good, good guy. People like him. And uh, he grabs a 20, and he hands it to one of his minions, a guy named Morgan. Morgan, three coffees. Mark, what do you want? Long black. Okay, three coffees. Morgan knows his order. There's a dome next door. Dome, eh, it's not coffee club, but you know, thank God. But anyway, someone else is paying. And, um, and, and Morgan goes off, and eight minutes later, Morgan comes back with a little cardboard tray with three coffees in it. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, how cool is that? If you want to buy someone coffee, right? You just push the machine that goes ping, you pull out 20 bucks, you hand it to someone, and off they go. He didn't have to bring back a receipt. Steve didn't have to ask anyone's permission. Can I, can I you know, take $20 out of the of cash register? It, because it's Steve's shop. He actually owns the bike shop. He owns the bike shop, he owns the cash register, and he owns every single cent in the cash register. So if he wants to spend some of his money from his cash register in his bike shop, he can. No questions asked. No one to file a report to. No one to hand a receipt into. Where'd the 20 bucks go? I don't have to tell you. I'm like, oh, it's so simple. It's so simple. I love that. <laughs> can you imagine if that's how we operated? Honey, uh, no, I, I don't need any more cycling gear, but uh, Queenstown, New Zealand, uh, winter or summer this year, Elevate's paying. <laughs> if, if that was happening and you found out that was happening, like we were funding our, you know, high-flying, luxurious, extravagant lifestyle, would you develop some trust issues? to giving to Elevate Church. I would jolly well hope so. So here's how we structure our finance. I don't talk about this much. It's kind of a back office business thing, but it's an integrity issue. Uh, Steve's operation, being 20 go, it's like the simplest way to do it. We've set things up in, in almost the most complicated way possible. <laughs> so I'm currently our, our interim, interim CFO. So I'm kind of making the decisions and, and, and strategic planning and also week on week budgeting and cash flow forecasting and, and so on and so forth. But I actually don't have any signatory authority onto our bank account. So I can't actually, I don't have a machine that goes bing. I can just look at the machine and tell it what I want it to do. But I, I don't have any, I, I can't touch it. We've set it up that way. And then we have Jess Judd, who, who handles our payroll, accounts payable, and so on. So, so she, she can touch the machine that goes bing. She, can, she goes into a bank account and she goes, okay, those bills, that, that money goes there. That, 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 those salaries go there. Those reimbursements go there. But she doesn't have the authority to, we have a two-step process there. She doesn't have the authority to actually say, go. She just puts it out. And then we have one of our board members, who's our treasurer, Baden Johnson, who who pushes the authorized button, and uh, and then and then bills get paid. Now, if I say to Jess, I want you to do this, and she and she's like, what? I don't understand that. I need to actually clearly explain it to her. And and, and if it's like, no, elevate. I don't think elevates buying you a new Vespa this year. What? 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 That's that's important. That that there's another set of eyes on that. And then and then even if I somehow arm wrestle her into do something. Uh, inappropriate, she pushes it out into our bank account and, and Baden looks at it before we can authorize it and say, uh-uh, that's, what? No, and, and, and it comes back with, with a question. Plus, our board, all of our board have optics on that whole process, thanks to the cloud. We use a program called Zero. some of you will be familiar with it. So our board have real-time optics, any time, day or night, seven days a week, they can look into our books. We also outsourced our accounting. We don't even do our own accounting because we want another set of eyes on our books and not just another set of eyes, but a qualified professional set of eyes who can make sure we're operating by the best practices and the latest laws and making sure we hold true to all of that. Now, to, <laughs> this whole thing drives me crazy because two of our operating philosophies here at Elevate is we try to hit everything with a simple stick and we try to tolerate no cybers energy. And, and our current financial management process is not simple and there's a lot of sideways energy. It takes three people plus our accountant to reimburse somebody 20 bucks. 
But is that good to know? It's not good to, to manage. <laughs> it's good to know. Because here's the thing. As a church and as a leader and, and as a church body, we don't have to have done something wrong to lose the trust of the people in the church and the people in the community. We just have to be accused of doing something wrong and, and, and have a, a, a tangible level of suspicion that might suggest that was possible. So someone sees me, you know, gallivanting around the cafe strip of Victoria Park on my 49cc Vespa and say, oh, I think that's Mark Pomery from Elevate Church living a lavish lifestyle on a Vespa. Oh, I wonder who paid for that. $4,000, brand new, eight bucks to fill. Petrol lasts me three weeks. I wonder who paid for that. The, the answer is Mark Pomery, there is actually no possible way. I, you know, I don't know if you grew up with Scrooge McDuck and he had a big safe and he'd kind of just swan dive in there. I can't even get into the safe. And we don't have all the stuff here. Is that good to know? It sounds pretty dry, right? How many, how many of you got not, like just kind of checked out about four minutes ago? <laughs> Fair enough. But, but some people don't give because they've heard of churches that do misappropriate finances. They've heard of not-for-profit organisations that that money doesn't go to the mission that they actually said it was gonna go to. And I'm just standing here before you, giving you the assurance, right? And our board members are, are here, one's overseas, but listening to this, and they know that what I'm saying is, is true. Here's another one. You've been sent on a guilt trip. Now I often joke that my mother-in-law is a travel agent for guilt trips. Um, <laughs> For some reason, it never goes across well. well. I told this one to Stewie during the week and he did the big eye roll emoji. Oh yeah, I know about that one. No, not the, Susan, Susan, not the mother, no, no. Oh, bad segue, Mark. Face palm, sorry, Stewie, sorry, mate. I know, under the bus, sorry, mate, sorry, mate. Okay, oh, okay, all right, let's, uh, okay, all right. rewind, rewind, rewind. We'll, we'll edit that bit out of the podcast. Uh, I, was, I was saying, Okay, I was saying to Stewie about churches and, and giving uh, challenges that sometimes people are sent on a guilt trip. And on that basis, Susan, he did the eye roll emoji. Oh yeah, I know about that. Okay, good. But maybe some of you have been there, been in a church where you're told if you don't give, you're pathetic. If you don't give, you, you say you love Jesus? You don't give? He probably doesn't love you anymore. You're not going to heaven. You're going to hell. And, 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 and can I tell you, you don't want to go there because, because hell for eternity is going to be playing Ice Ice Baby on Endless Loop. Because you don't give, that's where you're going. So get used to it. Dung, 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 da dung, dung. Dung, 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 da dung, dung. Stop. Collaborate and listen. With my vocals over the top. Yeah, that certainly ups the games. <laughs> and here's the thing about guilt. You may respond initially for a very short period of time, but guilt is really, really, really bad fuel to live on. It's, and it's really bad fuel to motivate other people with. Spouses, listen to these words. Write them down. Guilt is really bad fuel to motivate someone to do something that you want them to do. They might do it for a short period of time. They will resent doing it. They will resent you and they will stop. And your relationship with them will have actually gone down a level. The better motivator is love. And, I, and, I, and I'm really proud of Reese and Jess saying that their primary motivation for giving to God first is out of love and, and honoring Him, not out of anybody guilting and, and shaming them. Fear, here's another barrier, fear. If I give to God first, I'll have less for myself. And in fact, if I give to God first, because I'll have less for myself, I might not have enough to get through to my next pay period. It's pretty common. Uh, and this is where faith comes in. 
This is where, where the idea of, of actually acknowledging God's the source of everything. And, and, and He's the one that gave to us in the first place. And, 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 and we give the first and the best back to Him. He's not going to leave us without. Just as higher power believing father, but not Jesus following father, even knew that their family got through tough times because of the faithfulness of his wife, Jess's mom. Stewie was telling me during the week, I love this, uh, I'm sharing this with permission, but uh, they were giving out their pocket money to the kids during the week. And uh, Danica, their eldest girl, 15 years old, she gets a dollar for every year she's been alive. So when you get to 100, baby, whoa, you're gonna be killing it. And uh, so... <laughs> So she got her, her, her pocket money, $15, and uh, gets it. And then she goes, she looks at she, to mom and dad, and she goes, um, and, and, and how much of this is for the offering? And they said, 10%. She's like, $1.50, like, meaning like, is that correct? <laughs> no. Anyway, kids with calculators. Uh, $1.50, and they go, yeah. She goes, well, it doesn't sound like much. No, she said, is that all? That's not much, 10%. And mama said, sweetheart, remember those words in 10 years time when you're earning more than $15. Yeah? But you can look it up for yourself. Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 12. The words are in red, something that Jesus said, if you're not faithful with a little, you won't be faithful with much. And if you're not faithful with a little, you won't be given responsibility over much. We don't have to fear. God's the source. Well, here's another one, debt. Well, it's partly why we got Reese and Jess up. Sometimes we can have accumulated debt due to unfortunate, devastating circumstances, loss of a job, unforeseen medical expenses, other transitions in life, and, and that happens, and, and it's never great, and, and we've been through that ourselves. Uh, but sometimes, and actually I think almost most of the time, that we the, the, the culture we live in, we're in debt because we pay for things with money that we haven't earned yet. And uh, I don't know if any of this is familiar to you. Buying a car you couldn't afford. Growing up, my dad gave me some great advice. Buy the cheapest car that your ego can handle. So I have a Vespa-sized ego. <laughs> Buy the cheapest car your ego can handle because anything bigger and more expensive than that it doesn't actually get you there quicker. Going on holidays with borrowed money. Needing, air quotes, the latest and greatest gadgets. Now, I want to point you to something and then I'm going to go into my fifth and final point. It's a guy named Dave Ramsey. We showed a video series from him about 18 months ago, which was the spark to Jared and Rochelle's journey and several others. And I mentioned we're going to interview them next week. Dave Ramsey uh, is, is a great leader. Um, he has a daily radio show in the US, syndicated. It's the, it's the second most listened to radio show in the entire US. It's a pretty big ladder to be number two on, right? And, and, he, and, and it's all about financial freedom. See, the thing about God's teaching around finances, it's not just about giving, it's about managing money the way God would have us managing money. And God doesn't want us in debt. It's not His, it's not his best. Because actually God doesn't want us slave to anything. He wants us free. And, and so Dave Ramsey has a whole thing about how to get out of debt. So if you're in debt, and by the way, if you know someone that's in debt, throw them a bone, and point them to this. All the stuff on, or not all of it, a great percentage of the stuff that, the tools and resources that Dave Ramsey has are free and they're easy to understand and follow. Now, I say easy to follow in terms of up here, but you still gotta do the work, right? And so we followed his steps. He has seven baby steps. When you get on DaveRamsey.com, you're gonna wanna search seven baby steps, all right? And if you're in debt, Follow those baby steps. You'll get to a, a thing called the debt snowball. And uh, we'll talk about that next week. And then here's the, the last thing. I'm gonna finish with this. Another barrier to entry of, of why people don't give is that they don't realize they're rich. 
and they don't realise why they're rich. So throw the next slide up. This is something that is, um, outlines part of my job description and those of you in leadership. Tell those, this is Paul writing to, to one of his mentees, Timothy. Tell those rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves and so obsessed with money. Right? He's outlining the job description of leaders to tell the people, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Stuff, holding chimeras, MySpace shares, vanilla ice backstage passes. Tell them... Instead, to go after God who piles on all the riches we could ever manage to do good, to be rich in helping others, to be extravagantly generous. If they do that, they'll build a treasury that will last, gaining life that's truly life. And the problem here is when Paul said to Timothy, tell those rich in this world's Wealth is that many people crop themselves out of that particular position description and don't understand that they fall into that category. And the reason why is because we compare ourselves to to James Packer and we compare ourselves to to Rupert Murdoch and we say, "No, no, no, Packer is rich in this world's wealth. Oprah's rich in this world's wealth. Well, here's the thing. If you had a roof over your head last night, If you had the option of having breakfast, whether you did or didn't actually have it, but you had the option of having breakfast this morning, right? If you drove here in some form of motorised vehicle, or by the way, in some cases, even a push bike, let me tell you, compared to most of the world's population, you are incredibly rich. In fact, just ticking those boxes alone, roof of your head, breakfast option this morning, and some form of reliable transport puts you in the one, top 1% of the world's wealthiest people. Put that on a T-shirt. Wear that around. I'm in the world's top 1% rich people. On the back, two big flip bird emojis. Yeah, take that, developing world. But we crop ourselves out because that's not who we compare ourselves to. The people that don't know those things, no, we compare ourselves to the celebs, the KKK, Kim, Chloe, and Courtney. <laughs> you didn't see that coming, did you? You heard the expression first world problems? Anyone heard the expression first world problems? Let me, let me, let me, let me spin that a little for the purpose of teaching this one. Let me call them, let me call them rich person's problems. Some of you have, have experienced and do experience rich people's problems. Here's one. Here's a rich people's problem. Throw the next one up. Thanks, Here's a rich person's problem. This cappuccino is weak and only moderately hot and I told that stupid barista I wanted a double shot and extra hot. That's a rich person's problem. You know why I know that? Because 700 million people in our planet don't have access to clean drinking water. They're not fussing over whether it's a double shot or extra hot. They're fussing over whether they can have clean water. 700 million. You're looking at your computer, smartphone, tablet, and you find yourself thinking, or maybe even screaming, This is taking forever to load. Your $800 phone, your $1,800 computer. 60% of the world's population or 4.2 billion people don't have internet access. Now, admittedly, that means they don't get exposed to the KKK, but they also don't get exposed to what you and I know is incredible educational opportunities if used properly, business opportunities if used properly. One of our partner organizations with Elevate Global is an organization called Opportunity International. And they provide micro loans to, to people in developing countries, loans of $100 that allow them to get out of indentured uh, uh, servitude to, 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 to loan sharks often 
and, and put that $100 into their business or into a business. And then they pay that $100 back and then they might even borrow more. And you know one of the barriers to entry? One of the barriers to entry to getting that $100 into the, into the hands of that family in the remote village in Indonesia or the remote village in the Philippines is, is they can't actually get physically the $100 to them. And those people, they, they, they work from sunrise, sun, sunrise to sunset, just surviving. They don't have time to take the day off to find their way to the nearest bank, which ain't just down the road. Right? So one of the strategies that Opportunity International are doing to help get the $100 loans into these people's hands is giving them dumb phones that have pre-loaded the access to just basic banking where they can actually withdraw or borrow 100 bucks from a dumb phone out in their remote village. Access. And this is what rich people say. Here's the final one. Stuff poor people never say. The food in the fridge went bad and I had to throw it away. 40% of the fresh produce bought in Australia is thrown away every year. 40, can I say that again? 40% of the fresh produce purchased in Australia every year is thrown away. Happy worms, maybe. 795 million people or one in every nine people on our planet are chronically undernourished. So let me go back to what Paul wrote to Timothy to tell you. <laughs> and it's not to shame you. We, we shouldn't feel shameful or guilty about being wealthy, about being born or having moved to Australia. No, but we need to understand that we are rich and we need to understand why. Go to the next, uh, oh no, that's the one. I've just told you you're rich. Okay, if you don't believe me, take it up with the UN. It's their stats that I'm quoting. But this is then Paul goes on to tell Timothy to tell you why you're rich. And it's not to have more stuff. Simplify more, organise less, give more. To do good, to be rich in helping others and to be extravagantly generous.